remember sitting with a family last year. Their mum was 102 when she passed. And, and they were okay with that. And that was a real honour to, to you know, sit with them through that time. On the flip side, at the same, around the same time, I looked after someone who died at two days old. And uh, that was tough. That was really tough. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations with me, your host, Andy Dixon. Welcome to all those who have joined us over the last little while. I thought I'd briefly share the heart of the podcast again for some of you who haven't heard it before. This podcast is based on the belief that the way we live can and does make a difference in the world, for better or for worse. If heaven is this idea of a place filled with wholeness and goodness, peace and joy, where everyone is welcomed and finds belonging, where differences are celebrated, and we are united in our glorious variety, and if we think that sounds amazing, then why not work to create that sort of world here and now? Yes, that is a massive challenge. And no, we're not likely to get there, especially not in our lifetimes. But if we work towards it together, ordinary people doing ordinary things that bring goodness and beauty and wholeness and hope, then we help to bring a bit of heaven here on earth in the midst of all that is painful or chaotic or divisive or just plain evil, undoing in whatever small way we can injustice, oppression, discrimination, poverty, and all else we see that is wrong with the world. It's not about pretending the hard stuff isn't there. It's about working in the midst of it all to bring whatever bit of heaven we can into the present. Today's guest, Nick Allwright, does just that. Nick is a funeral director. It is his job to walk alongside grieving family and friends as they deal with the loss of their loved one. As we will hear from Nick, sometimes this is a glorious time, and sometimes... It is anything but. Sometimes it is a celebration, and sometimes it is a symbol of all that is wrong with the world. Nick and I talk about how he got into the profession, what is involved in his role, how he interacts with families, how he looks after himself while dealing with death every day, what he loves about the role, and what makes it sometimes a very difficult job to do. What I found fascinating in this conversation was the realisation that While Nick deals with death, his job is very much about the living, helping them through what can be a very tough time in their lives, doing whatever he can to let them get on with their grieving, without having to stress about the details that he can take care of. Please note that, as we are talking about death, there may be triggering aspects of this corridor, so please hit pause and have a breather if you need to, and access the relevant support networks if something comes up for you. You will hear in Nick's voice that this is, at times, a very emotional conversation. It's very real and authentic, and it's a conversation that, for me, is a beautiful example of someone stepping into the pain and sorrow of others and bringing a bit of heaven in the midst of it. This is episode 74 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Nick Allwright.
it's great to have you, Kilda. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. So, Norhia Queer, who are you? Tell us a bit about Nick Alright. Uh, I'm I'm Nick. I'm 34, married to Kimberly. Um, I've got two kids, Laura, who's seven, and Taylor, who's four. Um, I'm originally four from. Already? Yeah, he's four. Jeez. Crikey, yeah. Um, originally from Lower Hutt, uh, but have lived all through New Zealand from um, Rangiora to Kawaro to Stratford and Taranaki, and then uh, now here in Christchurch. Uh, I didn't know you were from Lower Hutt. I thought, um, I mean, our connection was in Taranaki, so yeah. I kind of just assumed that's where you were from. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, nice. Um, and you're a funeral director. I'm a funeral director, yeah. Yeah. Which the reason I invited you on the podcast is because I mean, I wonder how many people know what funeral directors actually do. Um, and the more like when we've talked about it, it's been I found it really eye opening about all the different facets mm. of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. I don't know many kids going, I want to be a funeral director when I grow up. So, you know, how how did you land in this line of work? Yeah, and what that, was that journey? Yeah, I um, I'd never considered it. And any thought of it, you know, growing up, that, that you know, that didn't exist. So I, I got into it uh, coming up f- five years now. I was working in, a, in another job and, and it wasn't taking me anywhere and needed something, um, needed a change. Uh, but I was, I was really particular with what I wanted to do. And I, I wanted to serve people. I wanted to help people. Um, and I didn't know what that looked like. Mm. And so I applied for a lot of jobs. Um, I could have quite easily gone and driven a forklift for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, got paid, you know, reasonable money, but I, yeah. I didn't find any satisfaction in that. I, I've done that. And it was a nice three-month sabbatical. Yeah. But yeah, no yeah. more. Yeah. And so I was quite, yeah, I was applying for a lot of jobs, but none of them really set well. Um, then I came across a, an add on trade me for a funeral director's job. And I I looked at the description and I thought, yeah, that's, that's quite cool. You know, working with people, uh, in a hard time in their life. Mm. Um, and so I applied for that job and never heard back from them. Um, spoke to a guy who I went to church with, um, who's a funeral director, who's actually my colleague now, he sits next to me in the office, and he goes, yeah, you're not going to get that job. I was like, oh, why, why is that? And he goes, oh, it's a, it's a funeral company run by a woman, and they only employ women. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good to know. <laughs> Obviously, they, they, yeah. they couldn't advertise it that way. Yeah. Um, and he said, are you, are you interested in this sort of work? And I was like, I, yeah, I think I might be. So he went and had a conversation with... Um, the manager at, at John Ryan Funeral Directors in, in Christchurch, and they just happened to have a few uh, jobs coming up. And so I went in for an initial uh, meeting and, and chat with them, and uh, yeah, really, really thought that that's something I could do. And then, yeah, got the job, and it's uh, been in development ever since. Yeah. Mm. And is it something that you just literally learn on the job or yeah there's no yeah. qualification or anything for it? uh there is a qualification and i'm currently halfway through it right uh, it's a diploma in funeral directing through um through the polytech um and that's that's been a, another journey and a half it's part-time all online um on top of working the job 
which uh, yeah, right. has been a, a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, some some weeks working on call, we can work horrendous hours, mm-hmm. um, and then to to find time to study and do assignments and find time to live life outside of the work and yeah. and be a dad and um, be present for family stuff is uh, yeah. it can be fairly fairly tiring and fairly difficult. Yeah, I mean, because you don't get to decide when people die. No. So no, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Many of our listeners will have engaged a funeral director at some stage, um, but there'll be others like me who, like I've never been involved in organising a funeral or anything mm. like that. So for, for those of us who haven't had that experience, what is actually involved in your role? Yeah. Um, all starts with a, a first call where, where a family member will, will give us a call and um, engage our services um, from there we go to wherever the person has passed away and um, transfer them into our care using a, a, a stretcher, much like an ambulance stretcher. And then from there we, we then arrange to meet with the family and go over uh, what their wishes are, um, whether they want a funeral service, whether they want uh, cremation or burial, um, and then everything to, to do with that, the the legal paperwork that goes through births and marriages, yep. and um, and then the relevant paperwork for for cremation or burial and and whatever, um, we we look after people that that don't want services whatsoever, um, through to people who want a a full uh, funeral service in a chapel or a church or mm. anywhere else, um, and then yeah, full full range of everything. Mm. And and so, do you actually then lead the funeral? Or? No, no. So just just arrange everything and uh, present on the day, um, and then either a celebrant or a minister or or a family member will, will look after the service side of things. So kind of like a wedding planner, but for funerals. Yeah, yeah, and and work in a much shorter time time frame. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. We, you know, I've I've arranged funerals for for the next day off after someone's passed, and um, mm-hmm. be it mildly stressful on on our part, it, it's it's possible. Um, but our, our usual is, is a week or so. Mm. Mm. So I imagine that a number of your clients are first timers. Yeah. I, I mean the the, the yeah, family me- the are. family <laughs> members, not the dead person. <laughs> oh gosh, um, <laughs> the. I met a number of the family members are first timers yeah. in terms of engaging your services. So, yeah. like, how do you guide them through that whole process? Is is there just like written stuff that they can read through, or do you actually physically meet with them? How do, how does it all? Yeah, work? yeah, we we physically meet with them and and go through um, what what their requests are. Normally, in in our first phone call, we we do talk about um, you know do you have you know what was mum or dad's wishes uh, sort of thing. And and then go from there, um, and then if they need help, you know, with with decisions, uh, we can guide through, you know, all the options available, um, and yeah, go from go from there. Mm. Yeah, I imagine it doesn't always run smoothly with all the emotions and the relational frictions that are involved in family life. Is that part of what you do? Is is actually working to try and help the family or friends or whoever it is get yeah. on the same page? Yeah, for sure. Uh, families are very complex um, and 
they can become even more complex in a in a tough situation where there's a lot of a lot of grief, a lot of um, sadness, sometimes anger, um, and sometimes it can bring people together, and sometimes it does the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, trying to trying to work through family dynamics uh, can be a challenge, um, but my aim in life is to to you know be as relaxed as possible. Um, and guide everyone in the, in the best way possible to to remember their loved one. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, as I'm thinking of all the different things you're saying, you know, I'm hearing pastor, mediator, event organizer, grief counselor to some degree, um, administration. You know, there's a whole range of stuff that you're doing. Hmm. And like you say, often for and with people who are in the the worst moments of their life. Yeah. Does that take a toll on you personally? Like, what's the pressure of that like for you? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it's sometimes it's okay. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's uh, I see it as a real, real honour to to be a part of the the funeral and, and organising it and working with the families. Uh, sometimes it's really difficult. Um, I've I've looked after a number of situations which have uh, really tested me. And uh, a few times broken me, um, quite a few times now. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a journey working working through that uh, grief. Um, we see a, a, a vast array of um, how do I word that? We see grief in so many different ways. Um, sometimes it can be very intense. Uh, and that that can be difficult to manage and and work with, um, and and sometimes people are completely blank and show no emotion or expression, and and that can also be quite interesting to mm-hmm. to work and deal with. How do I manage it? Uh, I try to. Um, I try to leave as much work. Uh, at the door before I walk inside uh, at home. Um, I've found that is necessary to, you know, to live a, yeah. a good life with, with good work-life balance. Um, but sometimes there are times where where that's impossible to, to shake. And, yeah, I, I notice my, my energy is completely drained. Um, I'm, oh, I, I wouldn't say I'm not, horrendous to be around but I also don't want to be around people you know yeah. um, and my wife's very understanding and, and knows uh, when I've had a bad day and and yeah but I, I find um, I find relief in music yeah um, and I I'm playing a brass band uh, that I uh, rehearse with twice a week so that's a good out yeah um, they they know that you know the work I do and, and that I just come along for the enjoyment of, of playing music and, and whatnot and yeah. Nice. Humour? Yeah. I, yeah. Thinking about, you know, I've interviewed doctors and paramedics and stuff yeah. and there always seems to be humour in these roles that have the intense pressure. Um, is that a big part of for sure how you guys cope? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say I've got fairly, fairly dark humour. Um but you, you kind of need something um, to to make it through. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Have you had moments um, where things just have not gone to plan? That is, is there been any of those kind of catastrophes? <laughs> no, Thank, thankfully, because um, because they're, they're, they're the most stressful things. Yeah, um, yeah. I've almost had a, uh, a a premature interment of a casket. Um, where a family almost dropped the casket into the grave without it lowering. Um, that was stressful. Yeah, a bit. Uh, the celebrant saw it coming and turned away. Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but generally, no, I, I, I do whatever I can yeah. to ensure that, that, um, that nothing goes wrong as such. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't need a heap grief on grief. No, no, exactly. And and that's and that's you know that's that's my role is to is to make everything as smooth and and try and take all the stress away from the family. Um, so they can they can grieve and not have to worry about everything uh, on top of that. That's mm. that's my job to to facilitate um, you know the funeral on their behalf and. Yeah, make it a, as stress-free as possible. Mm. I often thought about that sort of thing when Bex was making wedding cakes yeah. and I would be the delivery person on the Saturday oh, yeah. morning often and like carrying this very heavy cake yeah. that normally if I was carrying something that heavy, I'd lean it against my body, but you're not leaning no. your cake. So you've got this thing out in front of you, your forearms are kind of dying. You're out at some random vineyard that doesn't have nicely paved concrete mm. And going, if I drop this thing, it's going to ruin someone's day. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just having having those moments of actually, this is someone's really special time. Hmm. I need to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make sure that it stays that. Yeah. Um, we actually even had a time where we got the dates wrong, but the venue rang us up and was like, "When are you bringing the cake?" And um, we went into full blown panic mode. Yep. <laughs> but. Um, but between us and the venue, we managed to get it all sorted and the wedding party had no idea. Um, so, yeah, that was as close as we got. But, yeah, but yeah it's, it's one of those things, I guess, where there's a perception that the funeral is for the dead person. Mm. But I guess hearing how much of what you're talking about is with the family, with, you know, it's like actually the funeral is is about the dead person, yeah. but is for the living. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is yeah. that how you experience it? Yep. Yep. And and that's that's a lot of um, discussions that I have with families where, uh, you know, someone's passed away and, and, and their wishes was to not have a funeral. And I'm like, that's cool. Go for gold, but do something to remember them. You know, go out, you know, go, go to the pub for a drink or whatever. Go out for a, a meal as a family host uh, you know your own memorial gathering or something like that do something to to remember the person who's passed not just um yeah yeah organize a, a cremation or burial and and no one's there and and then you just carry on with life that's not the the healthiest way to live mm. and yeah i i find most most people are very receptive of that um and funerals can be on the expensive side of life as well, yeah. um, and that's a that's a challenge that we face on the daily. Uh, but trying to 
do whatever we can to help a family remember their loved one um, in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form is, is you know, what we're there for and, and what we do. Yeah. Mm. My, my family actually learnt that the hard way. Yeah. Um, my granddad, who we're just coming up to 10 years since he died, and he didn't want a funeral. Yeah. He was, you know, when I'm gone, that's the end. Yeah. Nothing, so just carry on with life. Yep. You know, which was good for him, but mm. he wasn't there, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that was up in Auckland. And I would actually literally just moved to Christchurch the week before uh, from Auckland. And so my mum and her siblings went up to help my grandma um, with sorting out bank accounts and, you know, the mm. practicalities of yep. what happens when someone's passed on. And so they had a week of reminiscing and telling stories and being together and had a great time. Mm. And it wasn't until eight months down the track that my auntie realised that her kids had not had a chance to process and yeah. neither had we, yep. you know, and it was awful. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and so she organised a tree planting cool. to commemorate after one year. Yep. And so we all went up to Auckland and um, yeah. had this tree planting and that was the first time I cried, mm. you know, because yeah. I actually got to process it. I got to be around people that I loved, remembering someone I loved. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's huge advice is, mm. is actually do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even if a funeral's not it, because yeah. it's not everyone's cup of tea. No, no. Um, no and, I, and I meet a lot of people that, you know, they, they just say to me, you know, I just, you know, put me in a box and burn me. And... Um, yeah, that's that's cool, but what about everyone else, sort mm-hmm. of thing? And, and um, yeah, I definitely find it very important just to have something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, I, the other thing I, I find very um, beneficial is uh, pre-planning funerals as well. Uh, and a lot of people like to do that to to take the weight off um, the family. And that's a really enjoyable time sitting with people and, and you know, saying, how do you want to be remembered? Um, and then having those discussions around, you know, with those people that don't want anything is, is you know, how will your family best remember you? Or mm. um, And that, that sort of opens doors. And, and by, you know, I, I'm not a salesman by any way, shape or form. In fact, I'm a very poor one because I don't want to charge people lots of money for, for yeah. something they don't necessarily want. Um, I try and be a, you know, a fairly decent person. So you wouldn't um, sell many cars? Heck no, <laughs> no, no. I'd, I'd be, I'd be the guy trying to, you know, you know, cut twenty, thirty percent off the price just to um, ensure you know people can afford to buy it or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sitting with people and and um, you know, working out what they want um, is, is yeah, that's really special. Sometimes that can be really, um, really fun and really enjoyable. Um, Sometimes it can be a bit, a bit depressing too, because for me, as the funeral director, the next time I see them, they they won't be alive, and that's yeah, and that's wow. that can be really weird. Yeah. Um, but it's still an honour to be, you know, part of that journey as well. Do you think that the weirdness of it partly comes from the way our culture has treated death? You know that. Um, you look at well, I mean, I look at Maori culture, for example. Mm. They just have a much more robust yeah. way of looking at life and death and yep. grieving yep. and that kind of thing than our Western ways of, 
you know, or even even the fact that we ship our old people off to old folks' homes, mm. so we don't have to care for them. Or, yeah. um, you know, there's positives around the hospital care and those mm. kind of things. Mm. But but yeah, is that is that kind of something that you see in your role that, yeah, that we sure. just don't have a good grasp on death? I, I I see it within myself. Right. So you know, I, I talk to people and and you know, asking whether they want to be buried or cremated. Um, and, and whatever their, their choices. Um, and I said, for me, you know, neither is a good option because I don't really want to die. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. To me, that doesn't sound like a, a good thing at the moment. Um, and yeah, so even, even myself, I, mm. you know, I, I don't think about my own, um, my own, you know, ending or my own death because it's, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's probably not the, the healthiest thing. Um, and yeah, in my study, you know, been looking at various different cultures and how they embrace death and, and various rituals and, mm. and things like that. It's been really fascinating and quite eye opening, but, um, still hasn't changed, uh, my thoughts on it just yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fascinating. Even like being around so much death yeah. could take you down the path of, like reshaping your whole perspective. Hmm. But I guess there is that level of disconnect that you yep. need to try and keep, isn't yeah, there? Absolutely. So that that's probably a big part of that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of of compartmentalizing so that hmm. your life isn't overwhelmed. Yeah. Um what do your kids think? Do they know what you do? Do they? Uh my daughter does. Yeah. As of about three or four months ago. Right. Um up until then all she's known is that that I help people in my job. Right. And that's it. Because it's, yeah, it's not something we talk about at home. You know? Yeah. You know, how's my day? Well, you know, I looked after this person and this person, this person. It's, it's not really a, mm. a great conversation to have um, with, but, with young kids. But I helped some people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is a great conversation to have Yeah, with absolutely. Kids. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was only up until, yeah, a few months ago, um, we were driving to ballet and... Um, she was talk, asking me about my day, and and I thought, yeah, now's probably a good time to, to you know, tell her what what I do, and I explained it in the way. So my grandfather died a couple of years ago, and I I helped work on his funeral. Wow. Um, and just drove the hearse and and things like that. Um, and and I explained to her, you know, that's you know, when I drove the car for for pop, I I do that every other every day with with other families and whatnot, and. And a bit more, mm. yeah, yeah. Has she take that? Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, she's quite quite mature for a seven year old. Yeah. She took it took it reasonably well. We don't. Yeah, you know, we still don't talk about yes. Um, what I do on 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 the regular, but but she knows what I do now, and mm. yeah. And as for Taylor, yeah, he'll find out one day. Yeah, yeah, totally. What are your hopes in terms of when you're engaging with a family? What is it that you hope to leave with them or you know what's the best outcome for you I guess uh, best outcome is that they're happy with the the service we've provided um, that they see that you know we've done whatever we can to, to make the journey a smooth one um, and and whether that be you know for example last night I left work at Half past five, drove to the other side of town to deliver some ashes to someone, so they had their their loved one uh, as soon as possible. Um, 
and and you know given that sort of you know really good level of service and you know making things as easy and stress-free as possible uh, that's probably the big one is yeah taking away that stress that um, can accumulate in a quite a tense situation mm. um, and and I I approach things reasonably calmly I'm a reasonably calm mannered person and um, yeah I don't I don't change who I am mm. um, with when I meet with families um, sometimes I'm not calm on the inside uh, you know when we're working to a very you know quick timeline or um, a lot of things to to organize and prepare for but yeah the family don't need to see that yeah yeah mm. those behind the scenes things again that yeah that you're dealing with that so they don't have to yeah yeah and I always just try and re- try and you know find some form of connection or relation to to the family just to um, establish the rapport and you know get to know them and, and understand you know their journey and 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 you know how their relationship was with with their loved one and yeah work with that sometimes um, I've met with families that are completely estranged and have had nothing to do with their their loved one but but felt the need to um, you know, be present in that in that final final time, and then families who, you know, extremely close, and mm. um, yeah, there's a massive loss for them when you know the the matriarch or the or the patriarch of the family has passed away, and it's it's a really big deal in the family, um, and it's a massive massive loss for them, mm. um, you know, regardless of if they're in you know a hundred or in their nineties and they lived you know, a really good life, and mm. um, and you know their time has has come to an end. Mm. Mm. Is it different for you in situations where someone's like an old person who's died naturally or, you know, those kind of things versus the tragedy of losing someone young? Yeah. Is that, how does that affect your involvement or, yeah, what what is that like? Because it just sounds really challenging to me. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I really enjoy, you know, looking after someone who's reached the end of their life as a, someone in their, in their, you know, late eighties, nineties, into their hundreds, you know, that's cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting with a family last year, uh, probably in the, in the first third of last year, uh, their mum was 102 when she passed and and they were okay with that, yeah. Because they said, you know, Mum's old, and we've been expecting this for some time, and we're just stoked with the time we've had with her. Yeah. And and like and these the you know the kids were, they would have been in their late sixties, seventies sort of thing. So you know, they're, they're, in in my eyes, as a thirty four year old, they're, they're starting to get you know a wee bit yeah. older themselves. But yeah, yeah, to get yeah you know, a mum who's who's one hundred and two awesome Mm. and that was a real honor to to you know sit with them through that time and um yeah just do what i I needed to do to to help Mm. them um on the flip side at the same around the same time i looked after someone who died at two days old and uh that was tough yeah that was really tough um and yeah, what whatever the reason that that baby passed away, you know, that's that's a, a life cut way too short, yeah. um, and that's 
yeah, it's not easy to deal with. And, and you know, when you've got your own kids, yeah, um, you can't help but think of, you know, how lucky I am to have them. Um, and, and then also at the same time, probably becoming a bit more protective of them as well because I wouldn't want to, you know, walk that journey and I wouldn't yeah. wish that upon anyone because that's, that's tough. It's really tough stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then tragedies as well. Um, you know, people, people losing their life to, to vehicle accidents or uh, people who have chosen to, to end their life. Um, they, they can be quite challenging. Yeah. Um, very challenging sometimes. What what sort of support do you have to be able to do that role? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I mean, there are, you know, counselling professionals that have huge training to work with people in those situations, but mm. not only do you not have a whole counselling degree, mm. um, but also you're dealing with them then and there yeah. and with a time frame. Yeah. Is that something that you again you've just learned on the job? How do I get through this, mm. or or is there like do you have people you can go download to and like just offload some of your stuff? Or yes and no. Um, I uh, meet up with an old pastor friend uh, every now and then, um, and and that's just helpful just to offload a wee bit. Um, my parents are both former ministers, um, so especially my father is very, very helpful sometimes to you know, give him a call and uh, have a chat to him about things. Um, apart from that, I've I've learnt that I can't hold on to family's grief. It's it's yeah. not my mm. it's not my job to grieve for them. Um, Sometimes that's impossible, and sometimes, like you know, I, as I said, I do take take I can and do take that on, um, but I I need to let it go as quickly as I can. Mm. Um, and and there have been times where I have I have gone to a counsellor to say you know I've looked after, for example, in a time frame uh, of about five weeks, four people under forty. Two of them newborn. Um, one was a, a four-year-old who was smack, you know, smack bang in the middle of my two kids' age, yep. um, and then a sort of people, a couple of people in their late twenties and in their forties, and and within a, a quite a small time frame, that was a lot to deal with, yeah. and uh, broke me quite well mm. um, to the point where I, yeah, I, I I felt that I needed to talk to someone. Yeah. Um, which I thought, you know, looking back on that now, I, and and talking to the counsellor, uh, one of those was, was enough. Yeah. Let alone yeah, six. totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and and I've I've gone to see another one, another counsellor since then as well, just to mm -hmm. you know continue processing and to try and look after myself better, because um, sometimes yeah, we we put on a on a pretty brave face. Um, but sometimes the circumstances are, are, are hell, um, yeah. and and we see things. You know, we see families going through hell, and yeah. 
that's yeah, it's a hard journey to to be on with with a family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, the listeners can probably hear it in your voice, but you know, yeah. I can see this is this is quite emotional, even yeah. just talking about this. Yeah. Um. So do really appreciate that. What what is um, on the flip side of that? What are the highlights of your job? What are the things you really love about it? I really love sitting down with families, um, and I and I I love that personal connection, um, and just being on that journey with with people, and and you know you get to know them in a very short time frame, um, and that's and that's all I wanted to do is is mm. you know when I was looking for this job I wanted something with purpose, um, I wanted to work with people and I wanted to help them and yeah this is this is what I've wanted to do, mm. um, and I'm doing it and. Most of the time, I love it. Some of the time, it's, it's a different story. Yeah. Um, but just yeah, being to walk along, being able to walk alongside people is, is such an honour and such a blessing for me to mm. yeah to be able to do on on the regular. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's that sort of thing where no one necessarily grows up wanting to do this role, and yet it's such an important role. Yeah. You know. It, just thinking through all the stuff that you do and imagining if that wasn't there, mm. if that support wasn't there for Farno, you yeah. know, it would be horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, traditionally, maybe that. It's, it's what they used to do. Yeah. Um, it, it was dealt yeah. with within fam- But then we yeah. also had a, a more knitted community, mm. Mm. you know, than our disconnectedness yep. that, that we have today. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a hugely important role and, um, yeah, thank you for giving time to to share about it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for for all you do for families, mm-hmm. um, for for people who have lost people, um, for easing some of the grieving process, um, or at least taking the stress out of it so they can grieve about what they need to grieve about. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for what you're doing to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Thanks, Andy. What a powerful corridor. Before meeting Nick, I'd never really thought about what funeral directors do. But after hearing his story and what his role entails, I am so glad there are people like Nick who do this amazing work, taking the stress out of what is often a very sad time, helping families grieve well, remember their loved one well, and be able to look back on a fitting celebration that honoured the one who had died. Nick, thank you for who you are and for what you do. Here is a blessing for you. Nick, as you step into the mourning of others on a daily basis, may your life be filled with joy as you help them to carry the weight of what they are facing and as you help them celebrate the person they have lost. May you find a lightness and a grace in the midst of the heaviness of death, allowing you to do what you do without it weighing you down. As you support others in what they are going through, may you too find people around you supporting you and being there for you, just as you are there for others. May you always know that this work you do makes a massive difference for those you support, even if they don't realise quite how much different it would be without you. 
May your family continue to flourish and may you continue to find ways to let go of the grief of others so it doesn't affect your own family relationships. As your children come to understand more of what you do, may they be really proud to have a dad who helps people in such profound ways. And lastly, may you know you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when I speak to teenage artist and business owner Amelie Coggan, founder of Little Joys by Amelie, a business working to help those with mental health challenges. We talk about why Amelie started the business, how it has changed over these first few years, how her personal journey affected the direction of the business, and where she sees it all going. It's another powerful and heartfelt conversation. Until then, me inoi tato. E tō mātau matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Humai kia mātau ai nei He taro mā mātau mō tēnei rā Muro mātau hara me mātau hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e hara ana kia mātau Aua hoki mātau e kawea kia whakawaia e ngari whakorangia mātau i te kino Amen